This is episode 45 of the Creative Strings podcast with special guests William Sagey Marsh and Kaylee Drain. The topic of this episode is on musical being, also known as how to make music from a place of creative expression rather than coming from a place of survival or trying to impress people with your playing. Hello, and welcome to the Creative Strings Podcast. I'm Christian Howes, violinist, educator, and music business entrepreneur. I hope these interviews will inspire you to be creative in your life, in your art, in your business, in every way. So without further ado, let's get to it. Okay, coming live from, uh, not live, but... uh, (laughs) Doing this interview live in uh, Los Angeles. I'm at my brother's place, uh, Lewis House. But I'm so glad before I'm flying out after being out here this week to meet up with my old friend Kaylee Drain, wonderful cellist, and her fiance, William Sagey Marsh. Um, and I had met uh, William, uh, well, I didn't meet, I just met him today, but I learned about his Facebook group. Which is which was called uh, musical being, and or something like this. Yeah. Yes. Uh, musical being, and it. and I don't even know if Facebook group's still live. But if you go to musicalbeing.com, that's where he kind of resides and a lot of his thoughts. But I had really connected with your ideas, and so uh, when I talked to Kaylee, I was like, oh, we got to get William over here so we can do this interview. But it's gonna be exciting. We're we're gonna talk about um, some subjects that are really on my mind a lot lately, which is about overcoming performance anxiety. If you choke during performances, uh, or if you're self-judgmental about your playing, if you always feel like I need to get better, if that's like constantly you know, bothering you. Uh, we're also going to hopefully talk about practice, uh, practice methodology, and uh, some really interesting ideas. I know it's going to be great, and Kaylee may share some ideas. So if maybe if you don't mind just William just sharing like yeah how did you get into it yeah thank you thanks Chris for having me um I so I um I got into this well I think my first dipping my toe first into it was when I was in college I studied music at the University of Oregon I got a degree in jazz studies uh I'm a guitarist and um and one thing I was really struggling with was um was playing in a way where I I could actually express myself and not choke. Like I would go into a tune, if I knew that I had a solo in the tune, this count off would start and immediately my heart would start racing and it would just compound up until the solo started. And I'd, you know, go out of the right out of the gates trying to impress people and then about, you know, three quarters of the way through, when you should be hitting that peak, it's like I'm like crashing and burning and just surviving the rest of the solo. And and I just something had to give. Something had to change for me. And um and you know and you know i did what i did whatever i did to get beyond that and i and i took all of that work and i've and i've been i've kind of packaged it in a way where i can actually deliver it to somebody else and have them get that same methodology and have those same results um so in being self-expressed when you're improvising or playing whatever even if you're playing something that's written being expressive with it um having practice methodology that's actually effective towards what you want um, feeling like you're not 
like making music from a place of creating and expressing rather than surviving or having people be impressed by what you have to, to play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so how that happens to me a, a decent amount of time. Uh, if I'm being honest, like if I, you know, if I'm on the bandstand with people that uh, I'm really comfortable with, or if I'm playing music with my kids, then I feel that there's like a certain flow. You know, like it's it's easy, right? Yeah. yeah. Like you there's know, love there. You know, you tr there's love, there's trust. Yeah. And, and also, like I, well, also like you could say, like if you're playing with your students. Mm -hmm. Then you might feel confident. Just feel you just feel confident because you feel like you you're you're two steps ahead of them in some way. And but then if I go to play with people I've never met before and it's a performance things uh, situation, sometimes I find myself doing exactly what you described. So I just feel like I I have to say it again. It's like, you know, all this energy is kind of building up and you're feeling like oh I got to do a good job. I got to do a good job. And so you just go, boom, right? And you're not listening. This is, I'm talking about in a jazz situation now. You're, you're trying to force, you know, the, me. <laughs> I'm trying to force it, you know? Me too, just and, to say. Okay, yeah. 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 <laughs> and so it's like, it's like, it's harder to leave space. It's harder to just, to just uh, wait to feel something and play what comes from my heart, but it's more like coming from this wrong place. So I'm really interested in that. So how do you fix that? Well, well, I think actually one is like getting that there's nothing to fix. Right? Like, because we're human beings, and like, as human beings, we feel fear in the same way that like our ancestors might have felt fear when they saw a saber toothed tiger, or, you know, or, you know, the same way you might feel when someone like, like screams by you on the freeway, like, whoa, what was that? You know, like, we have fear, and it's, um, and we just experience it. That's the way it is for human beings. Now, I think the, um, the trick is to distinguish when that fear is popping up in a situation where it's not really necessary. Like on, on the bandstand, it's not necessary. No one's going to die. I mean, hopefully, like, you know, like you're not, no one's going to, you're not in physical danger, right? But we still have the same visceral reaction as if somebody were threatening our lives. Like, and it's, and it's, um, and if you can, if you can distinguish that it's happening, then you actually have a fighting chance at moving it, transforming it, changing it, and like dealing powerfully with it. But a lot of times it's just, you know, we go, well, that's just the way it is, I guess. That's just the way performance is for me. And so, you know, and um, and we don't even consider that there's an alternative. So I'd say like, really the biggest step is getting present to when it's happening and getting present to the physical sensations that really cue you into it. For me, for example, like I get hot in the face, my shoulders tense up, um, my chest gets kind of tight like I feel it happening right now as I'm like talking about this right being in an interview like you know and um and recognizing that it's there and um getting in the practice of giving it up getting in the practice of of maybe it's um maybe it's getting in the practice of bringing music into that space of calm as opposed to practicing music from a space of anxiety and I have it that like a lot of us are in this practice where we relate to music in, in, in this world of better than, worse than, good enough, not good enough, um, slaying, killing or not killing or whatever. And like that's the world that we exist in. But like all of that is completely made up. The music is just the music. And we create all this meaning around it and, and attach all of this story around it. 
So like, what would it look like to just not be in that conversation at all and just not even pay attention to it? And I think for a lot of us, it takes actually reprogramming ourselves mm -hmm. to like to be in the practice of music that is outside of that conversation. So I don't know if there's anything to fix. Again, it's like it's just like just like well, what would it look like to just completely transform the environment in which music is taking place for you? So what comes up for me is like, well, you said we have to deprogram ourselves. So what comes up for me is like a lot of times in like my group classes, um, you know, I'll, I'll give people guided practice sessions where I'll ask them to do structured improvisation, which allows me to be, to have students at various, very different levels. Because say like, if you're a beginner, play half notes. If you're advanced, play 16th notes. But here's a groove and you know, you play within this format, whatever, which is within your current ability. Mm -hmm. And uh, which is which is pretty cool in and of itself. That's I, I love yeah. that. I love but, that. That's awesome. <laughs> because you know, because it allows you to work with a lot of different people and sort of let them set where they're at and push their their level. But so a lot of times, what I'll do um, in these group classes, I'll be like, okay, so like play whole notes right here. You know, so here's the there's a loop. It's like play two, three, four, the play again, and then as you're playing, like. They're just they're just playing over and over, right? Or they might maybe they're improvising, they're choosing between a couple notes, but it's easy. It's within their level, mm -hmm. and it's a very low pressure environment because it's not the stage. But I'll say so as you're doing that, bring your attention to, you know, what are you noticing? Like like listen to the note, but don't feel the pressure to do anything with the note. Like play with no vibrato, play with some vibrato, and so it's I I guess it's kind of like mindfulness. I don't know. That's yeah. I'm learning you about know, mindfulness. I, but how? Do, what do you? Is this kind of on the track? Or I'd say how like do you mindfulness do is one is like being aware aware of it, and being aware of what's what's showing up. Like that's the mindfulness part of it, right? The the awareness of, of what's showing up physically, mentally, emotionally as you're playing, and that's one component of it. And and I think that's actually that's the foundation. Like you have to be aware to to change anything. Like you can't. If you don't know if something exists, then you don't. Then you have, then you have no power over it at all, right? So, so by identifying it, you're you're creating it. You're you're putting a circle around it and saying, well, everything that's inside here is anxiety, and everything that's not inside the circle is not anxiety. And you can actually manage that one thing. Can I share a little yeah. bit? So I've I've worked with Bill and um, really like on the court, like how this has really transformed my playing. What he's what you guys are talking about here is, uh, you know, Bill helped me reconstruct a warm-up session to begin the practice of mindful playing. And it's very simple and it feels completely counterintuitive based on how many typically complicated thoughts we have around playing, right? So uh, the warm-up was a simple scale. And for me to just be present, the game is really to be as relaxed as humanly possible and not even concern myself with how it sounds. But just how relaxed can I play? And that was simply it. That was actually the, the warm-up itself. And what I noticed is over time is that curiosity and being aware of what my body was doing started to map itself naturally without me even trying on everything I was playing. So fast forward to a couple months later, um, I'm playing some more rigorous classical piece just for fun, like a concerto or something, right? You know, And I've got these big shifts. And all of a sudden, I notice in my body, I'm like, oh my gosh, every time I do a big shift, I'm tensing up my hips and my stomach. And that was restricting the shift. Now, I've been playing music for like, what, 27 years or something? I never noticed that I did that. 
And I, I can directly equivalent that to the work that you and I have done together because it came through me being able to start noticing what my body's doing as I play with like more acuteness. Wow, yeah. So like what I'm hearing, so like that awareness was the first part and then that second part is actually being in the practice of being aware yeah. so that like and, and being and ha bringing that awareness to your practice and then finding and you found a way to to transform it because you noticed it in exactly. action and then you were able to actually powerfully deal with it. Absolutely, yeah, because beautiful. I was in the practice of learning to relax and once I noticed that my hips tightened up, tightened up rather than being like, oh, I have to fix this, right? It was just, okay, well, how can I relax this now? And then I found more relaxation within the technique shift. Yeah. I love that. So could you break it down if somebody, like, if there's a, like two or three exercises that somebody could do? Yeah. If they want to start with this in their warm-up or practice. Yes, or absolutely. Like one, one, my favorite one, I call it the random note exercise. So I set the metronome pretty slow, like 40, 50 BPM. And, um, and actually a lot like what you're saying, whole notes, right? And so I'll set the metronome really slow and I'll play whole notes. And um, the only rule is that it's a whole note. It doesn't have to be any particular note. In fact, the more atonal it is, the better. Because like you play the long tone, and you just just stand in that tone being the most beautiful thing you've ever heard. You know, it's very kind of a uh, Kenny Werner effortless mastery kind of idea. Like just like, and if you're not familiar with that, I highly recommend that book, uh, Effortless Mastery by Kenny Werner. Um, the um, uh, but playing one note and just like standing and this is a beautiful note, and then you play any other note on your instrument, and you stand in that note being beautiful, and you just keep you keep going. And the cool thing is, um, especially if it's if it's if there's no prescribed key centers, that it's atonal, so it doesn't it doesn't sound good, right? It doesn't sound like consonant in the way that we're used to hearing. Right. And so it starts getting you used to just like hearing yourself play um, in a way that's not consonant and relating to it as if it's a beautiful sound. Yeah. And it's kind of like it's like a soft like reprogramming. And what I found is that like even if I like if I flub a note and I'm stuck with a whole note of no sound, like a whole four beats of no sound at a slow tempo, just being with it, just going, well, that's the way it is, and that's beautiful. It's beautiful, there's a beautiful not sound that I'm hearing right now, yeah, yeah. you know, and keep going. And then I, um, and then from there, you, there's variations. You can kind of go, um, I, so what I do is I'll, I'll start with the full notes, and then I'll go into half notes, and then triplets, quarter notes, and then quintuplets, I guess, quarter note quintuplets, you can call it, right? sex tuplets and so on just keep increasing by one and it's kind of fun to just to, to start to feel that math going on you yeah. know so that's like maybe a little bit more of an advanced one but um but that's one exercise um and then of course you can take that same exercise and, and apply it to a harmonic context so like for example if you're working on all of me then you could um then then you could say okay i'm gonna do uh do this only roots or only thirds or only fifths or only sevenths or I'm going to do guide tone lines, or I'm going to do, you know, and, and, and there's a, you can slice it any number of ways, but but the the, the constant um, the constant thing between all of these is is really like being present to what's going on in your body, and the moment it starts feeling tense, like these feel of fear coming up, then like then putting yourself in a mode where it's easy again, where where, the, where you can like for example it might just be 
simplifying the exercise or slowing the tempo down or slowing down the harmonic rhythm or something where you can still be in the music and be in like a state of peace or relaxation with your body. So it's like, that's like the number one thing is like coming back to that and then kind of pushing the envelope. Because like you were saying with your students, you were doing, um, like if you're a beginner, let's do whole notes or quarter notes. And then if you're advanced, you do 16th notes. And there's not really, um, there's not really any difference between the two of them. I mean, it's like one is one is a sixteenth of a measure, and one is one of a measure, right? There's not a there's not an actual difference on the ground in reality, other than well, one is the duration of the note, and so how fast they would happen. But it's really like our the, the human reaction to it. Like when someone says sixteenth note, I immediately tense up because that sounds fast to me. Like. Mm. Or like a whole note, I go, oh, that's easy, I can relax a little bit. But it's that human reaction that you're trying to manage, right? And so starting with whatever's easy, and then kind of turning the heat up just a little bit. And you can do this with any exercise, like start real slow, turn the heat up until you get relaxed. You're, yeah. Yeah. No, I like it. It reminds me of yoga a little bit because, like, in yoga class, um, the teacher will say, like, you know, don't try to overstretch your body. Just stretch where you can breathe fully like the most important thing is breathing fully and like or it's same thing if you're working out like you're supposed to, you know don't try to strain your body to lift the weight make sure you do the thing with the right form so i find that this analogy in this so with my students when they're doing this exercise i always say like do this wherever you're like well a couple levels like play whole notes at a tempo that you can think ahead, that you can feel relaxed, as you're saying. So that's the dictator of your tempo. Yeah. It's nuts. And so as you're saying, and then you can push it up. But if you try to play 16th right in the beginning, it may, you may, technically it may be challenging. And also harmonically or rhythmically or whatever, you know, or physically it might be challenging. So don't do that. Yeah. You know, play at the level where you can think clearly. Or as an improviser, it would be like, well, you know, play at a tempo where you you can take all day to think about the next chord mm -hmm. because a big challenge is like fast moving chord progressions right right yeah and like we're only at wherever we're at mm -hmm. yeah like we yeah. can only we can only think as fast as we can think so i like that a lot that's great that that really resonates with me in a lot of the things i've been doing mindfulness is something that you can apply to your practice of music to your teaching to your business and in so many other areas of your life. If this topic of mindfulness and how to bring it into your own practice is something that interests you, consider working with me in the Creative Strings Workshop, a seven week program where we will work to support you in your musical or your teaching or your career development. If you'd like to see if the Creative Strings Workshop is a good fit for you, there are a few ways to do that. Go to creativestrings.org and just click on Creative Strings Workshop or go to christianhouse.com and click on book a call and you can schedule a call with me. I'll be happy to talk about it with you to help you see if Creative Strings Workshop or if any of our other programs are a good fit to help you grow in your practice, in your teaching and or in your career development. Thanks very much to Electric Violin Shop for supporting the Creative Strings podcast. Electric Violin Shop is not only the best 
solution for all things electric strings. They are also an employee owned business. Maybe that's why you're always going to get a human to pick up the phone and answer your questions, no matter how many questions you have when you call Electric Violin Shop during business hours. You can call Electric Violin Shop anytime between roughly 9 and 5 Eastern, and you will get a human to pick up the phone and answer literally any question you have about electric violins, electric cellos, amplifiers, cables, effect pedals, and anything connected to that. Whether you're a player or whether you run an orchestra program, call them if you have any questions. They are so helpful on the phone. And how often do you find somebody that's just gonna pick up the phone and just answer your questions? If you're in the US, call Electric Violin Shop at 866-900-8400. That's a toll-free call. 866-900-8400. They are open Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. When you do speak with Electric Violin Shop, tell them I sent you, and if you do buy anything, you'll end up getting an extra discount. They'll definitely take care of you. You can also find them at electricviolinshop.com. Creative string players and teachers depend on Yamaha because Yamaha backs up their electric and acoustic string instrument lines with the best warranties I know of. And they support music educators and associations like American String Teachers Association, events like Suzuki Institutes, school visits around the country, and they support much more in music education. If you're on Facebook and if you're a current or future music educator, Join Yamaha Music Educator Community free. Thanks to everyone at Electric Violin Shop and at Yamaha for supporting Creative Strings Podcast. If you're new to the Creative Strings Podcast, I want to make sure you know that we have 45 great episodes just like this one featuring stories of amazing musicians, educators, and entrepreneurs where you get to hear not only the music, but human stories. Make sure to subscribe and share these episodes. Find any place where you listen to podcasts and look up Creative Strings Podcast or go to creativestrings.org or christianhouse.com. You can subscribe there. While you're there, Look around for many programs that we have to help you in your practicing, in your teaching, and or in your entrepreneurial development of your career. Feel free to reach out to me anytime if I can help. Just email me, chris at christianhouse.com. Now back to the episode. Um, I would like your class, I think. I, I, I hope so, yeah. I feel like you could teach my class. Yeah, and you'll probably, yeah, some of the things I'm doing, I think you'll you'll get it right away, like, you know, because um, I just adapt some of, some of, it sounds like I'm adapting some similar things, but I'm putting them along with like, oh, sorry, with a, like a, and like, into like a live group lesson situation yeah. and with varying levels. So where people have options, modifications like in yoga again like if you're in a yoga class the yoga teacher will be like okay so do standing mountain or no say like do tree but if tree's too hard then do this do mountain or do child's pose yeah so i kind of that's how i do what i'm hearing is like like it's not like the it's not the doing of the that pose it's 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 that relaxation it's who you're being who you're being while you're doing the thing Right? Yeah. It's like you're being relaxed. You're being, I mean, like, you're being a master, you know? Like, right. like yeah, I can do corpse pose like a master. 
because I just lay there, right? I'm exactly. really good at that. I'm a master yogi when I'm doing the corpse pose. Yeah. Now, when it comes to doing like, you know, I don't know, name, name one of the hard ones. Well, like dancer pose. Dancer pose, sure. I don't even know what that is, but like I'm a total amateur when it comes to that because I can't, you know, I'm not, I haven't brought that pose into my mastery, you know? Right. And it's like, and I feel like we're all masters already. We're masters at whatever it is that we're masters at. And the things that we aren't masters at, it's because we haven't brought that activity, that doing into our mastery. Like we haven't brought it into a place where we're masters at. Like, um... Like a whole note, sure, you can do a whole note, but can you play giant steps at 250? Like that's, um, you know, like there's, it's really like just a spectrum, right? And, and if you have the whole note and you're a master at that, well, you could probably master the half note. Or you could master the whole note at like maybe a 25% faster tempo or something, you know? And it's just kind of a scale. You're like kind of bringing it in slowly. And eventually, you, you know, you get up to that giant step set, you know. whatever. Speaking of, of yoga, actually, it was just in a class where the teacher said that growth is just past your point of comfort that's where your growth exists and it reminds me of that analogy you just made which is to say like it's not really about fearing the gap between whole notes and giant steps or whatever it's actually having trust and confidence and knowing that just past that point of your comfort zone which is where growth is and it's so important i think for us to learn how to take that small step forward where our curiosity can remain present because at the heart of it we are our best teachers and our teaching, our ability to teach ourselves and grow in our skills only exists inside of our curiosity. But when we are trying to get somewhere or fix something we don't like about ourselves, um, our curiosity vanishes, mm. and now we're just judging. And, and now it's that survival Oof. fight, right? Yeah. <laughs> I feel attacked. Yeah, for sure. Well, when you when you talked about like the going from a whole note versus giant steps at two fifty, yeah, I mean. Because then you could play giant steps at a thousand, and you could play it in all keys, yeah. like backwards, left-handed, you know, in fifth position on your instrument. And so that brings up to me that like music is limitless, like it's infinite. So we're never gonna have everything, right. you know. So we could we could at any moment we could say, I can do this, like I can do music, because you can do something, and it'll resonate with somebody. Yeah. And it's like there's, you know, somebody's going to find healing or beauty or, like, depth in what you're doing. But then, so, and a lot of us, I think we go in these swings from this kind of uh, delusions of grandeur where we're like, everything I do is amazing. I'm, like, the best ever. And then we go into these these really big valleys of despair, right? Yeah. And that's part of this problem, I think, is, like... Um, that you're or that's what i'm interested in and what you're tapping into i think with what you're talking about and so one part of this is that a lot of people when they're coming to me they're like show me all the things i need to learn all the things i need to you know i need to be able to play all the tunes at, at 250 and i need to be able to learn diminished scales and this and that and the other and altered scales yeah. and, the, and do the thing that he's doing and the thing that she's thing, doing so and you said when we start, when we sat down, you said something about that all you know, all the resources out there are like information resources, and that people think they have an information problem, but that's not where the breakdown is, right? Can yeah. You, so, can you speak? Yeah. To that? Well, I mean, like when someone comes to you, it's like, with they want all that info. Like, I guess my first thought is, why are you paying anybody for that? The entirety, the literal entirety of human knowledge exists at your fingertips. 
Like you're you're on YouTube right now, right? <laughs> you know, go look it up. It's out there, right? But in fairness, though, even I mean, even if they were to disagree with that, like mm-hmm. they, someone could say, yeah, but you know, we need someone to give us the sequence of the information and okay. tell us which part of it we need right now. Yeah. And so, you know, so information arguably is a part of it. Yeah, so, it is. Yeah. So, so well, and that and that sequence is dictated by where it is you're trying to go. Right. Everybody starts at the what, and they don't start with the outcome, right? right. Yeah. So, like, if you're like, this is an analogy I use all the time. So, like, like, what's a dish that you like to eat, Chris? Like, uh, I like uh, what's the Thai one with the chicken and uh, uh, yeah, uh, Thai, chicken. yeah. I don't even know how to make that, right? But like, but I know that if I was going to go in the kitchen and make it, I know. Okay, so pad Thai is what I end up with. Yeah. So, what are the steps that I would have to go through to like get this. pad Thai, right? And I think, um, and, and then and then going, well, I don't have any chicken, so I guess job one is to go buy some chicken, but maybe, well, I also don't have basil, I don't have the, those cool noodles, but you know, like, so I have to go and get these. So like, like, we start with like, 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 I'm not good enough, I need to do something about it right effing now. How do, like, what do I do? And, and people jump right to that action without really thinking critically about where it is that they want to get to. What is the outcome that you want? Because like any teacher can show you whatever they want to show you, but it's really like that. Those steps are dictated by where you want to be. See, I like this a lot. And if I tell me if I'm wrong, but if you're saying that instead of saying, oh, I just wish I could learn to cook. It's like, no, 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 no. What do you want to cook? And for whom? Yeah. It's like, you know, you might say, well, I want, you know, you might say you want to cook pad thai for for Kaylee. Right. And you want it to look like this, and you need to be in a certain kind of whole. Thing. It's like, okay, that's exactly where you want to go. Okay, so we're going to teach for that outcome. Exactly. And okay, that's what you're saying. I love that because that's exactly what I say to my students. I love it. And it's not, and it's also in business too, right? Yeah. It's like you know, but but also in music, and they're like, I just want to be better. It's like, no, let's really dial down. What do you want to do? And it's not just, and and because a lot of times they'll take guesses. Well, I'm sure you've got this. People be like, I want you to show me diminished scales. Wait, why do you want to get diminished yeah. scales? You know, is that really what you want? Is the diminished scales that you know? Because they're trying to get, because they don't know what they don't know. Right. And so they're like, well, they've just heard something, and they're like, I need to learn this, and this is like, no. What do you want? Well, actually, I want to join a bluegrass band, and I want to be a part of that bluegrass band, and to feel like I'm not interrupting the flow and they're like I know what everybody's talking about and like just feel a connection to that community mm. and like to be able to like you know to be able to come and just like know what's going on and which is you know so and it'll the, be like the key that I hear in what you're saying right there is like I want to join a bluegrass band I want to feel connected with everybody I want to feel like I'm not um, like I'm not um, holding everybody back or like those that's awesome because those are very concrete things those don't exist in the realm of better than, worse than, more than, less than. Like that's and if you're if, like, job one actually is like get rid of all those words because better, more, faster. You never get better. You never get more, and you never get faster because all of those things exist as a relation to where you are in the present moment. And no matter how fast you get, faster always exists. You never get there. No matter how good you are, better is always right there, just beyond your reach. Oh, I love that. It's just no matter how fast you play, faster is always out yeah. there. It's I've a never moving goalpost. It's a moving goalpost. Yeah, right? yeah. You can never get there. That's why I said when you you I before this I said yeah. Well, you're never gonna get better, and you kind of looked at me like mm. I didn't get it. <laughs> now I get it. it. Yeah. Now I get you it. Don't it's get a moving. Go- yeah. Now I really. No one get ever better. gets better. No one ever gets better. 
because <laughs> I still got to wrap my head around yeah. it. He's messing you up, huh? It yeah, messed yeah. me up, too. I'm like, well, what would it look like to not exist in a conversation of better or worse yeah. or good enough or not good enough? Like, what would be left? What if, what if, what if your musical journey was about... Well, what would your musical journey be about if it wasn't about being better? Like, what's, what's available, you know? Completely. And I'll just say, like, again, this is another result I've gotten from, like, working with these questions now for the last, like, two years. Uh, and, and what started to show up just on the ground is me getting really clear on what the outcome of what I want my music to be like. And it's, it's just a completely different realm. Because I didn't know that I didn't know that I was working to be better all the time. I was just constantly trying to be better, whatever better meant. And it was totally unmotivating. So I just was never getting anywhere. And what I got present to, especially during the pandemic, was like what the power of connection meant for me when I played music for other people and how much it moved them. Now, the blessing of this time was that um, I think because we were also stressed and starved for connection, uh, when I did get to play music, even virtually, I could really see the impact that it created on people. And the impact it created on people created such a profound impact on me. So I became present to the outcome, like we're talking about, of like what I wanted my music journey to be, which was like around connection, profound, direct connection. And as a result of that, like Bill and I have been working in a music duo, where we've gotten the opportunity to play really powerful con like concerts for people that, I mean, culminated yesterday in like a concert of like a hundred people. And I mean, I don't know if you felt this, but I mean, I almost felt like a tidal wave of, of energy from people's faces and eyes, the way that they were listening was so profound. And I was so present to how I created that because that was my desired outcome. You know? Yeah, yeah, what, yeah, you're, you weren't going into it like, like, I want to play better than I did last time, or, <laughs> right? Or like, like, I want, you know, I want to make yeah. more money or whatever. I'm laughing now because it's it sounds so, and I mean this in the best way possible because like I love and forgive myself for this, but it sounds, and it is, it's so egotistical to want to be better. It's all about you. It's all about you. It's all fear-based. It's, it's just, it's internal and the opposite of connection ends up happening. And we're trying to be better. And the moment I let go of that, let go of better, it's just, it's a game I'll never win. So like, I'm going to just give it up, right? Um, what I got to create was connection, and now it's about everyone out there, but that's what ends up bringing the fulfillment back. Especially in this particular case, because that's one of the goals that you were able to articulate. Yes. You know, yeah. and, and for different people, it might be different. It might be money. It might Absolutely. be, and I think that's might awesome be, uh, if it is. Right, right, yeah, or dude. whatever. You yeah. know, it might be that they want to feel creatively self-expressed, they want confidence, that they want place to get away from it all like or they whatever. want a grammy or they want you know and like, yeah. it could be anything yeah yeah right, yeah, right. and yeah. It's, but it's a matter of really like getting clear what is it that you want out of this experience as a human being that participates in music and like what's it gonna take to get that and are you willing to do what it's gonna take to get that and sometimes like what it's gonna take to get that thing will throw you for a loop like for example you know i have classical violin players for example or cello players they come to me and in fact i'm working with a cello strike Kaylee's a cellist, by the way, but I, but there's a, but there's a cellist who's working with me right now, and she has to she's going to play a jazz show in September. She was like, I want to crush it with these jazz cats in September on this gig. And I was like, I can help you do that because it's so clear, like what you're saying, right? Yeah. But like one of the things that I'll say to people about it is like, for you to crush it on this show coming up in September, okay, we're going to pick twelve songs. Well, part of it is picking songs that you can play right now. 
or by September. It's like because, and then that'll people, and then, and then people are like, well, no, uh, that's not what I meant. It's like, no, 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 no. That goes to what you just said, which yeah. is like, you got to do whatever it takes to make that awesome. to make happen. it happen. You don't yeah. get to change the rules. Yeah, you know, it's like, yeah. And here's the thing: you know, I get so many students that 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 uh, that do come with an outcome that they want. And they want to tell me how they want to do it. Right. And it's like... It's then like, that's when it's a problem. Yeah. I mean, it's like, well, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. It's like you don't have to take a solo yeah. on every song. And that's one way to crush the gig. Absolutely. You could play yeah. a transcription on one solo. Totally. You could take, like, instead of playing, like, the hardest part of the form, you could play, like, the outro fail. Yeah. Or you could yeah. write yeah. an etude. You could write an etude as your solo or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah, all totally. sorts of ways to do it. There's, yeah. Yeah. And really, like, like standing in that outcome, like, what is the outcome? Is it you you improvised and you and you played it in a different key than you rehearsed in? Or is it, you know, like, like how complex do you want it to be? Yeah, like help well, me help you kind of, you know? Yeah, and, and what I'm hearing just to distinguish like what, what we're talking about here is uh, the ability to be light um, and and um, really allow it to look whatever way it has to look. You don't, like don't be attached to it looking a certain way. That's what I mean. When you have a desired outcome, have a light touch with how it shows up, you know? Mm -hmm. Having produced a show yesterday, secret to production, you want to put on a good show, like, have some lightness with how it looks because without us even realizing it, sometimes we get really attached to how it needs to look. What does crushing it mean? It's like, what is it? my hair is flowing in the light? Well, what if the lighting's bad? Like, yeah. I mean, I'm not going to crush the gig. <laughs> and it sounds ridiculous when I articulate it that way, but that is truly how we get latched on. And I think that's where a lot of breakdowns happen in our yeah, growth. Absolutely. That's it. We relate to how we feel about it. We don't relate to actually what what's what's actually there we relate to our feelings around it and so like really creating that outcome rigorously in language here's another exercise um well can you go yeah. can you go into that what you just said yeah so really so How, apply that to practice if you don't mind. yeah so like let's say so so we we practice for this outcome of you know let's say um let's say you're your student who is out to uh have a crushing gig in september so um, the practice is, first of all, creating in language what a crushing gig actually is. So, you know, I mean, one thing they could do is to uh, write a journal entry from the, the weekend after their gig and talk about what that gig was like. And like, what was the experience? You mean now, before? Yeah, right now, yeah, as if it's a done deal, as if it all. Oh, I love happened. this. You say, so right now, before the gig, Right, as if you're after it, yeah, like yeah. what it was like. Okay, yeah, you're yeah. Standing, visioning, really. You're standing two months ahead, or whatever, or whatever that the math is yeah, like yeah. That right now, and you're standing up there, and and you're and you're remembering what that gig was like, and this gig was like the ideal experience of yourself as a musician on stage on this gig. You're crushing it, but what does crushing it even mean? Because if we just go, oh yeah, I crushed it, like that can mean anything, and you're gonna be disappointed because it's not gonna mean it's not gonna be good enough for whatever you think crushing it means, right? So like. Like, yeah, there were X people in the audience. There were this n number of people. Um, I had this many people come up to me uh, after the show and want my phone number to play on another gig. Right, right, right. I had, I made this much money. Right. Um, we played this many tunes, and my experience of playing the tunes was that I uh, felt comfortable in every tune. I felt, you know, like really creating it rigorously in language so that you, so you have an outcome that you're going for. And then you take that and you can just go line by line. You can go, okay, so I had this many people in the audience. What would it take to have that many people in the audience? 
I mean, that's not a music practice thing, but like, you can go, okay, well, if I wanted, if I wanted a hundred people in the audience, like, how many, how many people do I have to call and tell them about this gig, or how many, you know, how many, how much money do I have to put into Facebook advertisement or whatever, right? When it comes to practice, it's like, okay, so I played 12 tunes and I, and I knew them inside and out. Okay, so, so let's say tune one. What would it take to know this tune inside and out? And, and start, you know, start thinking about what it is that it, that it took. Like, again, like past tense, like it's already a done deal. What did it take to get this up to speed? And, and the cool thing is like, whatever you come up with, you might fall on your face and it might fail, right? But that is what it takes to learn that that action was ineffective and to create a new action to, to actually get to that point. So maybe like, maybe you used, you did, took three different tacks on, on learning this one tune, let's say, and the first two were total failures. And like, man, write your failures into your, into your experience because you're going to fail and you're going to be okay with it. Or else, you know, you just keep failing until you don't fail anymore, right? I mean, I don't know. That's the way. That's the way it occurs to me, at least. I um, yeah. I, I wanted to give an example of this because Bill and I use this all the time, and I don't want to overstep the absolute power and juiciness of this practice of creating um, what your future goal is as if it's already happened. Um, there's something very powerful that clicks in your mind when you start to speak of your accomplishments as if they've already happened. That. It just, it pulls it out of the realm of abstract within your mind and this sort of hopefully one day maybe, maybe I'll get there kind of realm and actually you start to track yourself like like a like Google Maps. You'll start to navigate yourself towards a goal once you've actually pinpointed it in time as if it's done. And Bill and I do this all the time. Uh, we created a bunch of things that happened at our event yesterday a week ago. How many people showed up? What love, you know, how did I experience my own self-expression as an artist? You know, like, um, what, I don't know, there, there were some other goals there that we actually created. We actually wrote them in the past tense, like a week ago. And what's bonkers is that I don't, it's not like I religiously read it every day and I was like, okay, that's what I have to do. But they showed up. They absolutely showed up. We do this with vacations. Yep. We do this on creative projects we create together. I do this sometimes even with my day. How, you know, standing at the end of the day, how did my day go? It was the ideal experience. Well, so for me as a skeptic, <laughs> you know, um, it, it comes up for me that like some of the feelings that you might have would be easier to um, to envision beforehand as, that, as if they had happened. But that like so-called concrete outcomes would be uh, harder to like quote unquote manifest mm. I mean my brother Lewis interviewed the, the author of The Secret I think twice you know oh, wow. so including like a, a, yeah. so it's like this idea of like manifesting a hundred people that showed up at your gig right, right. I, I mean just to me as a skeptic I'm not saying yeah. I'm totally skeptical but there might be people listening sure. who are skeptical is there a difference or not because I think also like just saying like I want to be able to play the changes on Giant Steps at 250 like that doesn't work for me yeah I mean, you know it's, like it's, what's it's the difference not, or I want to make a hundred thousand dollars well it's not year. magic right okay. it's yeah. not magic but if you know where you're going then you have a much better chance of getting there okay. than if you have no idea where so you're just, going so just having more detail more detail in what your goal is and what the result is that you yeah. want Mm -hmm. Yeah, because like I can say like, man, I want like a, a butt ton of people at that show, right? I want a, a lot of people there. What's a lot of people? 
Right. I don't know. A hundred is yeah. that specific. Sure, it's specific, yeah. right? It's yeah. measurable. And then you fight for that up. Yeah, exactly. And you go, okay, what would it take? How many phone calls would I have to make to right. get a hundred people to show up to this? Right. Yeah, exactly. It's not about making a wish and then sitting on your Okay. Right. Right. Absolutely. It's about taking action. Yeah. But like, yeah. but having that, having the action actually be effective in delivering the outcome that you want, as opposed to having like taking an action and then being mad that you know, you're trying to make pad thai and like, like, and so you go and start chopping a bunch of lettuce and then you're fucking mad that, excuse me, you're mad that like, that you don't have pad thai, even though you've chopped all this lettuce and like, without even thinking for a second that lettuce doesn't go in pad thai. Right. You know, it's like, it's the, it's, it's just bonkers. It's yeah, bonkers yeah. To, to look at practicing that way. I feel you on this. I feel you on this. I love this. I love these ideas. Um, well, I'm sorry that I'm going to have to wrap it early That's today, but That's you know, cool. it's, it's really, I'm stoked to meet you. And uh, I want to, again, encourage everybody. Well, first of all, leave a comment, anything about this that resonates for you. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening on the audio version on creative strings, um, then, uh, reach out to me if you want Chris at christianhouse.com, wherever you are, check out William Sagey Marsh at musical being dot com and Kaylee Drain, which is C A L E I G H Drain. Um we go way back. <laughs> you know how to spell your name. <laughs> we just met. Yeah. But I feel like we're already friends and you know Kaylee spelled it is a bonkers way to spell it, so Yeah, right, 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 right. right. <laughs> it's unique. It takes time to acquire friendship to know how to spell my name. <laughs> but they can also find you on socials at W Marsh music that's right and if you're on youtube i'll put this all if you're and if you're on uh the uh, audio version i'll put it well hopefully we'll have this at, at a blog at christianhouse.com and i'll put this in the show notes there um kaylee thank you for introducing me to your marvelous fiance and thank you, uh, and william thanks a lot for making time to me thanks so much for having me this has been awesome thank you all for listening thank you Thanks again for listening to Creative Strings Podcast. Special thanks to William and to Kaylee for sharing with us today. Make sure to check out all the links and look them up. You can find links out to them at the show notes page at christianhouse.com or creativestrings.org. While you're there at the site, leave a comment, share this episode with friends, make sure you're subscribed, and feel free to reach out to me anytime chris at christianhouse.com. Don't forget, we are enrolling for the Creative Strings Workshop, a seven-week amazing online program that has helped many players from elite pros to adult learners and amateurs and teachers, people that are interested in developing more mindful practice, learning new skills like improvisation and applied music theory, players who are interested in getting out of the box and getting unstuck in their playing so that they can progress and enjoy their playing more, teachers who want to bring new skills to their students and increase engagement, and also musicians who are trying to build sustainable careers. Check out Creative Strings Workshop at christianhouse.com or creativestrings.org or just reach out to me 
via email. I'll be happy to answer any questions for you. You can reach me at chris at christianhouse.com. Thanks again for listening to the Creative Strings podcast. And until next time, happy practicing.